What if the success of your own local church depended upon your prayers? How would your church do? Now, I understand we all have different responsibilities. We're all different members of the body of Christ, and we all have what God has called us to do in our function in the body. We all have a responsibility, but it's all tied together, and we, we go forward as a, as a body. We go forward as a family of God and, and trying to reach the world for Christ, and our prayers are, are so important for our missionaries. And that's what I want to speak to you on tonight, actually, is, is Ephesians chapter number 3, if you'll turn there. Um, our prayers are the key to seeing God work through our missionaries and our local church and our community and our town. And I want us to be challenged tonight not with how much do I pray, but with how do I pray. Every time you have a missionary come, you probably hear this. Pray for us. Grab a prayer card. Stick our prayer card on your fridge. It's not just a pretty picture of cute kids. I think my kids are cute. They take you after their mama. But it's not just so you can look at your refrigerator, a bunch of cute kids, and go, oh, those poor kids, they're living in Kenya. How do they do that? I don't know. It's to pray for them. It's to remind you to pray for them. But, but maybe you ask when missionaries come, how do I do that? How do I pray for missionaries? What, what should I pray? And, and nowadays, times have changed with technology. The world has, has shrunk. When we were in Brazil serving, we lived in the... Basically, the armpit of our city was like a, a, pretty much a ghetto with dirt streets, and everything has walls around it, and you're connected on this side's a neighbor, on this side's a neighbor, behind your neighbor, and the rats can get on, a root, on, a, on the wall and run the whole city. It's just people everywhere, and you're all connected. And, and uh, sometimes we, we, we look at our missionaries, and we, and we, uh, we don't know how to pray for them. And anyway, we're all that to say, I had neighbors, even in that, in that little town, way, it seemed like it was way away from America, but they were friends with me on Facebook. They have internet. They, have, they might have a, a dirt floor or a concrete floor and a, a wire hanging down from the ceiling if they're poor and just one little light bulb. But they had internet and they had a smartphone. And so when I would write a prayer letter back to my churches, it's different than prayer letters were written 20 years ago. They were kind of vague. Pray for her, and you maybe even would make up a name because you don't want that guy to grab your page on the internet and translate it and find out, oh my goodness, they're telling, they're saying that they're praying for me in my marriage? My marriage is struggling and I need to be saved and they're, tell, they're telling everybody in America about me? And so it's, it's vague and, and missionaries have to be careful in what they say because, I mean, how would you like that? Uh, if, if pastor, every time, every time somebody in the church maybe goes to pastor for counsel. And he's going to write a prayer letter about you. He's going to send it out all over. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You'd just love him to death for that, wouldn't you? Um, and so missionaries have to be vague many times. I know many that will make up names and make up kind of vague scenarios to try to, general scenarios to try to kind of explain what's going on because they don't want to ruin an opportunity to continue their influence over somebody they're trying to reach for Christ. And so it makes it even more difficult. Well, what exactly do I pray? And even when you get a, a card or a letter with no specific requests, I'm going to share with you some ways tonight that you can pray for your missionaries. Things that are very important. And we'll, uh, we'll go through those here in chapter 3. At the beginning, at my, my home church in Shelby, North Carolina, at the beginning of every Sunday school hour, 
we have six different missionaries that are sent out of our church, and we stop and, and we, we spend time going over just those missionaries, not, the, not all the ones we support, but just those six. And we share requests, and we pray over them, and try to keep them constantly before the church and, and remembering them in our prayers and trying to hold the ropes for them. And You know, if, if you were to read all the prayer letters, and as Pastor mentioned this morning, th- these are good principles for your church. And I'll explain in a minute. But if you were to take all the prayer requests just of your church, you'd be praying a long time every day, wouldn't you? It's a lot of needs. And as you read through these requests, if you take any time at all to observe the lives of your missionaries, to observe the life of, of each other, I hope you get to know each other. I hope it's not just at church that you see each other and then forget about each other during the week. But if you start observing each other, you'll notice some things that are true about everybody. We all live in a sin-cursed earth. We all suffer temptations and sicknesses and illnesses and trials and sorrows. We're all tempted to respond wrongly to those temptations and trials, aren't we? We're all in desperate need of prayer. I need it. You need it. Our missionaries need it. And sometimes we put missionaries in a special class of people, but just like you, you and me, we're flesh and blood. We have trials and temptations and sorrows and families and, and dreams and just people that need prayer. Let me ask you tonight, what is it for which we need prayer? Maybe you'd say, well, that's obvious. Just look at the prayer list. So-and-so's got cancer, needs to be healed, and this person's got uh, a surgery tomorrow, and, and John Doe has, uh, he lost his job, and he needs a job to provide for his family, and we could just go on and on of all these prayer requests. But when you pray for those requests, and I'm not saying don't pray for those requests, but when you pray for, for someone to be healed of cancer, for example, what is it that they really need? What is it that we really desire to see God do? What's our purpose in praying? Are we asking God for the right things? If we were believers at Ephesus, what is it that Paul, the apostle, would have prayed for us? And that's what we're going to see tonight. Verse number 14 through 21. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. The Bible says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The, the goal in Paul's praying was that glory be brought to God in the church. And as Paul began to pray for the believers here, verse 14, it says, For this cause I bow my knees. For what cause was he bowing his knees? If you go back to the verse before, he says, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And, and, and actually, he's going back, really, if you go back to the very, very first verse of chapter 3, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And it's almost like there's like a, 
an explanation of what he's going to get to, and then he continues the thought again and says, for this cause again. But if you go back to chapter 2 even, he explains what the Ephesian believers were, what God had done in their hearts. They had been changed, Paul says. They were without Christ. They were without hope. They were without God in the world. But they had been made nigh and brought close by the blood of Jesus Christ, which had cleansed them from their sin. They were strangers and foreigners, but now they were made fellow citizens of the household of God. Chapter 2 teaches that they were, they were built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets as they were saved. And Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone in Christ, they were built together for an habitation of God. No longer did God dwell in temples made with hands, but now He dwelt inside the Ephesian believers. They were the temple of the Holy Ghost. They were now one in Christ, the body of Christ. And as they worked together as one, there were some things they needed to understand, some things they needed to comprehend and know, and it's these things that Paul prays for so that as God worked through them, they might bring glory unto Him in the church. So often when we pray, it's all about us and not about Him. We want health. I do. We want comfort. I like comfort. We like safety and ease, and there's nothing wrong with praying for those things. Having first responders, the, the home heroes, and we should pray for their safety. We should pray, for, we should pray that God would protect them. There's nothing wrong with praying those things, but there's, that's not an end in and of itself. So often we want all these things, but yet we fail to admit that this earth is sin-cursed, and it's going to continue to be so. I could pray for someone to be healed, and if God would choose to heal them, eventually they're still going to die. We live in an earth that is cursed with sin. And so there has to be more than just praying for healing. There has to be more than just praying for physical things. There's got to be something of greater, greater depth that we need. Paul prayed for spiritual things, and, when, and he was confident that God would answer his prayers. You ever prayed? And then you're done praying and you're not sure really if, did I pray according to God's will? If I pray according to His will, He hears me. The way Paul prayed here, and if we pray these things that Paul prayed, we can know God hears us, we can know it's His will, and we can pray with boldness and we can know He's going to answer us. I love to pray that way. Studying this passage transformed my prayer life. There's so many powerful thoughts in this scripture here. Paul prayed for these things and he knew that God was going to be brought glory in the church through his prayers. We should pray and desire the same things for our brethren in Christ, our friends, our family, and our missionaries that Paul prayed. Where was Paul when this happened? He was in prison. Verse 13, when he says, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, what was he saying? He was saying, there's new believers here. And they're seeing all the torture and all the imprisonments and all the things that I'm going through for the sake of the gospel. I don't want them to see my tribulations and my trials and faint and fall away and quit on God because they're afraid that they're going to go through what I'm going through. And so I'm going to bow my knees and I'm going to ask God to give them some things. So they'll stand strong. That church he was talking about that started in Kenya. They need these things. And we'll go through them now. Verse number, 
14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. He prayed for strength. Prayed for strength. I need strength. Do you need strength? We see the same word for strength used in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, where Paul says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And I see a verse like that and I say, Lord, I'm weak. How can I be strong? I'm not strong. You're strong, but I'm not. But here in Ephesians, when Paul uses this word and he asks for strength, the word strength, and that might be strength, and it's, a, it's in the passive tense. In other words, Paul is praying that rather than saying, you be strong, he's saying, God, give them strength. We are weak and feeble. But praise the Lord that we can pray this prayer for each other. We can pray this prayer for our missionaries. And we can know that God will answer. We are weak, but He will strengthen us so that we can obey what He said in Corinthians and we can be strong. How can I obey the command of God and, and, and be a man and, and be strong in the Word of God? Because He'll strengthen me. That's a prayer you should pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, Lord, would you heal brother so-and-so from his cancer? Would you, would you, would you take away the, the pain and the suffering that they're going through? But as you're doing that, Lord, and as you're working in their body physically, more than that, would you give them strength? Would you strengthen them in the inner man? Would you help them not to think that the only ultimate answer is being healed, but rather God would desire them to have strength, that they may share the gospel with others in the midst of their weakness? Lord, would you strengthen them? He says, according to the riches of his glory. Give him strength according to that. He doesn't, doesn't say out of his riches and glory, but according to. How many riches does God have? He owns everything, doesn't he? They're limitless. They're immeasurable. God does not run out of might and power, does he? Praise the Lord for that. The same God that spoke everything into existence in six literal days is the same God that Paul is praying to here and asking that God would give those new believers strength. If God could speak into existence all the planets and go, oh, by the way, and the stars also. He knows them by name. You know, there's just billions and trillions of them. And yet we don't think that He can answer our prayer and give strength. Maybe that's why we don't ask him. We don't believe him. Lord, would you give Brother Rose strength as he goes to Kenya? Lord, he's going he's gonna to be there in, in difficult situations and, and he's going to be trying to learn this language and adapt to the culture and he's got five precious little girls and, and Satan wants to destroy them. He's walking around as a devouring lion seeking whom he may devour and he wants to pounce on them and destroy his family and tarnish the name of Christ in Kenya. Lord, would you give them strength? All your missionaries need that. Each, all of you need that. These are things to pray for each other and for your kids too. The same God that created everything is the same God that will give us strength. And he says, according to the riches of, of his glory, and he says to be strengthened with might. Might is the idea of power, ability. We need God to strengthen us with supernatural might 
because we're in the middle of a supernatural battle. For we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And if you get your eyes off Christ and you get your eyes onto the world, you begin to think that the world is your enemy. But they're not. The enemy is Satan, spiritual wickedness in high places trying to destroy mankind and keep them blinded to the good news of salvation. And we need to ask God for strength to help us fight this supernatural battle. Every day, every moment we're in a battle. And the weapons, the Bible says, of our warfare are not carnal. We need spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. And the moment you wake up in the morning and forget that you're in a spiritual battle is the moment you've lost for that day. If you wake up and you're just, first thing on your mind is what am I going to do, where i got to go to work, and how am I going to make this day work, and how am I going to get through this, very likely you've already lost the spiritual battle because the farthest thing from your mind is, Lord, I'm weak. I'm going out to face a wicked world. Give me strength, Lord. Give our missionaries strength today. Help them, strengthen them with might by your spirit and in your man, Lord. Give them the strength they need to fight this battle and to win this battle in their own lives and in the lives of the community they're trying to reach with the gospel. He said by, with might, and then he says by his spirit. When we were saved, the Holy Spirit came to indwell us. That's evidence that we're saved. But as Paul prayed here, we need to be strengthened with might or power by the Spirit. The Spirit is He that enables us to live the Christian life. We can't do it in our own strength. When we were saved, and the Holy Spirit indwelt us, He gave us power. He gave us might. But we have to yield to Him and allow Him to exercise that might through us. We need to pray for each other that we'll do so. We need His power to live rightly. Missionaries aren't superheroes. They're people that have yielded to God's will and they're headed into a spiritual battle in many dark countries around this world. And they need God's strength in their own personal lives to live right, just as you and I do. We need His power to witness. Your missionaries need His power to witness. As we learned this morning, they can't convince men they're lost. They need God to work through them. And they need God to open eyes and to show men their lost condition. Then he says, with might, by His Spirit, in the inner man. Believers are empowered in the inner man through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote, Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We can have a weak and a frail body. We can be sick physically. We can be going through trials and sorrows and grief, but yet still be strengthened in the inner man. It's the inner man that needs to be renewed day by day. The outward man perishes. This body's going to die. It's just a shell. I'm getting a new body one day. And you may go, well, you're a young guy. I'm 37 almost. I'm still already looking forward to a new body. I got a bum knee and it's frustrating. I go out and try to play ball with my kids and my knee swells up. Well, I'm thankful I can at least try. I'm going to get a new body. And you know the best thing about that body is not just the, the, the lack of physical ailments, but my new body is not even going to desire to sin. Not even going to want to ever again. Wouldn't that be a wonderful day? 
Our outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed. Our bodies are frail and weak and prone to wander, prone to sin. They're dying, they're perishing, but our inward man, that one that was made alive and quickened when Christ saved us, the spiritual part of us where God works and dwells, that's where we need strength. What a wonderful thing this is to pray for each other. What is it that you need tonight? What's your real need? Is it a job or health or safety? Though all of these things we all desire, they're not an end in and of themselves. What we need is that God would take our weakness, our frailty, our inability, that of our missionaries, and that He would strengthen us with might by His power, by His Spirit in the inner man. For strength, Paul prayed. The second thing, verse number 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He prayed for strength. The second thing here is he prayed for submission, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And you may say, well, how do you get submission out of that? The idea of the word dwell here is to be at home in. Let me explain to you. If I were to come over to your house and visit, and you invited me in, and we were to stay there, my family were to stay with you, many times when you go to people's houses, they say, make yourself at home. Y'all say that? Make yourself at home. Do you really mean that completely? I may go to your house and I'll make myself comfortable and I'll try to be at home, but I'm not at home. I'm not going to go in your bedroom, throw my shoes in the floor, empty my pockets out on your nightstand or your dresser, pull my socks off and pick the lint out from between my toes. I I should throw them in the hamper at my own home, but... If I didn't want to, I could throw them in the floor. Do that at your house and kick up on your bed, grab a book off your nightstand and start reading. Is that what you mean when you say make yourself a home? Not exactly. You may have a room for us or for me or for my family or whatever, and you might say get whatever you want out of the fridge, but you don't really want us to devour everything in your fridge and cook and you know, make you a bunch of freezer meals and just make ourselves completely at home. But in my home, I dwell there. There's no place I won't go. I'm welcome anywhere. I can make any mess I want. As a good husband, I shouldn't. My wife's chuckling over here. I should, I should clean up after myself. I should be helpful. Wash the dishes every now and then. Right, men? I didn't get any amens on that one. Wash a few loads of clothes, help with the kids. But I dwell at my home. There's no door that's closed to me. There's no closet where, where, you know, this is the junk closet. You can go anywhere, but don't open the closet. Stuff's going to fall out everywhere. I'm welcome everywhere in my home. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's the idea of submission. I allow Christ to dwell in me. No part of my life is closed to Him. There is no part where Christ is not welcome. There's no corner, nothing hidden in my heart that I'm not allowing Christ to have domination over, if you will. No area in my heart that's not submitted to Him. How often do we as believers offer our lives to Christ? I'll serve you, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. But there's this little tiny thing over here. Not not that, Lord. 
Paul is praying here that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. They were already saved. They're already believers. But submitting to Christ by faith and saying, Lord, I believe that your will is best. And I believe that when I submit to you, that's what's best. You know what's best, and even when I don't understand it, I'm going to submit every area, no matter how difficult, no matter how intense, no matter how grievous in my life, no matter how much I think it won't work, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Paul prayed that these new believers would have that submission in their lives. It's a prayer request you ought to pray for your missionaries. They don't have to ask for it. Just know they need it. Missionaries, you go, well, they've submitted and they went to another country. They still struggle with it in their own hearts. They still have areas that God's working in them and growing them. And it's, it's not always easy to submit everything to Christ in every area, at every moment, at every time. Pray for strength for your missionaries. Pray for submission that they would submit every area of their hearts to God daily and renew that daily. Then he continues on, that you being rooted and grounded in love. When I hear the word rooted and grounded in love, I think rooted, I think of trees. Big old oak trees. Tree roots have to go down deep into the soil to get water and nourishment and stability to withstand the test of time, don't they? If they don't go deep, some trees go out, but they, they go a long ways and they build a big root system. They're going to be strong. They have to have a good root system. He says rooted and grounded in love. That word grounded has the idea of a foundation. Higher the building, the deeper and stronger and wider the foundation, right? Skyscrapers have foundations that go stories into the ground to withstand the, the, the weight and the, everything that the, the pressures against that building and the weight that it's going to put down. It has to have a strong foundation to withstand the test of time. You missionaries need to be rooted and grounded in love. How do you get rooted and grounded in what? This book right here. So we need to be rooted and grounded in. And he says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. So he prays for strength, he prays for submission, and here he's praying for comprehension. Comprehension. They need to be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And go, well, what do you mean by that? What is Paul saying? The, the breadth and the length and the, and the height, the depth. Paul's saying the love of Christ is immeasurable. It's, it's vast. And he says that they may be able to comprehend it and to know it but then he says it passes knowledge. He's asking that God would help them to comprehend something that's incomprehensible. His love is vast. And you go, well, why would it? I mean, our missionaries are going with the message of God's love. How could they not comprehend it? Can I ask you a question? What's the first thing that believers tend to forget when they go through a trial and through suffering and through sorrow? And they feel like they've been forsaken and like they're all alone, and like God doesn't see and God doesn't care and He's left me to suffer. What's the first thing that goes through the mind? And what's the first thing that Satan tempts them with? They forget, Jesus loves me. 
This I know, for the Bible tells me so. You go, how can a missionary forget that? If we take you to the field and leave you for a couple of years in another country, you might understand. But maybe you understand it here. Maybe you're going through something tonight. Nobody on this earth understands. And you think, God, I thought you loved me. And you think he forsook you. He hasn't. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He knows where you're at. He knows your trial. And there has no temptation taken you, the Bible says, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Pray for your missionaries that they would comprehend the love of Christ. Pray for each other. When you pray for your dear brothers and sisters in Christ here, as you go through your 30-minute prayer list of all the ailments and the sicknesses and the surgeries and the diseases and the things that we need to be praying for for each other, don't leave off the spiritual requests that are really even more important than the physical ones. I wanted my wife to be healed, and I still do. Her disease is chronic. But even more than being healed, you know what she needs? She needs strength. She needs to be submitted to Christ. She needs to comprehend the love of God. And I, as her husband, need that as well. And these missionaries here need that. They're going to go through things in Kenya that they, they know not yet what's going to happen there. They want to see God work. And God's going to work. But they don't know what they're going to go through to see God work. And when you get thousands of miles away, out in the middle of an African village, and you don't have that quick contact with home, all those churches throwing money in the offering plate and sending it, and what a blessing and encouragement to help sustain them monetarily. But even though the money might come in every month and they've got their needs provided, to feel like, does anybody care? Does God care when I'm going through this? Does Jesus care? Pray for them that they would comprehend God's love. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. He says it passes knowledge. How do you pray for your brethren here at church? How do you pray for your missionaries? How do you pray for your spouse? How do you pray for your children? Oh, that they might be able to comprehend the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. Lord, when, when my dear brother is suffering, would you help him to comprehend the vastness of your love for him? Would you give him strength in his inner man by your spirit? That's what we all really need. Eventually, we're all going to die unless the Lord comes back, and maybe today, praise the Lord, that would be wonderful. But until He does, we're going to go on being born and growing up and dying. So we're not going to stop the, the death cycle just by praying for healing. We need to be praying for strength and for submission and for comprehension. And then the fourth thing, verse 19, he says, "...to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge." that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He prayed for filling. Filled up, complete, mature. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Him, that's in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let me ask you a question. If everything that God is, the fullness of Him, dwelt in Christ Jesus on this earth, and if you are saved by the blood of Christ tonight and His child, who is it that dwells in you? Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? And if Christ is everything that God is, then in Christ you have everything you need. 
But we don't often remember that. We forget it, don't we? We need to be full of Christ. Yielded to Him. To find our completeness in Him alone to be filled up and mature and complete only in Jesus. Pray for your missionaries that they would be filled with the fullness of Christ, that they would recognize that I may have nothing else. Everything, all of my plans on the mission field may not be happening the way I envisioned them. I dreamed of having hundreds of churches started all over. And Lord, I've only got a handful of believers here and, and I'm going through this and my child is sick and my wife is having problems and, and this person has forsaken me and left the church and caused splits and division. And Lord, help them. We could pray, Lord, help them. To, may they be filled with all the fullness of Christ. May they recognize when they have Jesus, they have everything. For strength, for submission, for comprehension, for filling. We have to get to the place, we must get to the place where we pray spiritual things rather than only physical things. And now the next two verses, verse 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh. Paul here, it's almost like verse 20 and 21 is like he's saying his prayer requests and then verse 20 and 21 are like the chorus. Like if he wrote a song. It sounds to me like Paul believed what he's praying. He had absolute dependence and faith that God was going to answer his prayers in the lives of those Ephesian believers. Now unto him. It's clear that Paul was praying these requests for a reason. His focus was not on himself. His focus was not on the physical desires and needs of the believers, but rather his focus was on God and, and his glory. Now unto him. Remember, Paul was in prison. If it were me, my temptation would have been to be praying, Lord, don't let these new believers go to jail like I have. Don't let them suffer for their faith. Oh, Lord, protect them from the government who wants to torture them and throw them in jail. Lord, don't let that happen. Deliver us. Paul didn't pray that. He said, Lord, while I'm in jail, while they're going through persecution, while they're going through suffering, while they're going through sorrows and trials and difficulties, give them strength. Help them to be submitted to you. Help them to comprehend your love. May they be filled with all the fullness of Christ. That's what was more important than being free physically. Now unto Him that is able to do. God can do anything. You believe that? He has all power in heaven and earth. That's where the Great Commission began with that. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Not all the power in all the universe will get even, man speaking, man's power, in all the universe collectively has the power to get even one man to heaven. But the gospel has the power to save. When you pray for your missionaries, their greatest need isn't the strength of the dollar so they can get a good exchange rate on their field where they're living. It's not a new building, or a pulpit, or chairs, or hymn books, even though we can pray for God's provision. Their greatest need is to be strengthened with might in the inner man, that they may preach the gospel with boldness and with compassion, comprehending the love of Christ, letting Christ dwell in their hearts by faith, that others may see it and be changed by the power of the gospel. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all. I love those words. How big is that? 
exceeding abundantly above all. That's a bunch of a bunch of words describing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and greater. And then he says, above all that we can even ask or think. That's pretty big. That's a pretty bold request. I can't do it. I can't reach a lost world. I can't live the Christian life. I don't have strength and I don't have might, but it's not about me. I have to just be yielded to Christ because He has the power to do above all that I can even ask or think. We ask for the wrong things. Could it be that we don't ask God for great things because we don't believe His power is that big? We don't, we don't really think He could save all of Kingsport, Tennessee. So we don't ask Him. We don't really think that He can transform the life of a wicked sinner, and so we don't ask Him. And we don't ask in faith for sure. What's wrong with praying for our missionaries the way Paul prayed for the Ephesians and for each other that way? Maybe pick out a couple young kids in this auditorium in this church. Pray for them. Say, Lord, would you, would you call them the mission field? Would you send them out into your harvest field? Would you send forth laborers? You might find that God ends up calling you as you begin to pray those things. Lord, would you take the heart of my children when you pray for your kids? Would you strengthen them with your might by, by your spirit and in their inner man that, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith? Would you help my kids to know and comprehend the love of Christ that it may so move them even now when they're young that they'll give their lives to you? Our prayers are focused upon us so many times. Have we forgotten how big our God is and gotten so comfortable in our life of ease that we don't even want to see God work? We give up far too easily in our prayers because the earthly requests draw our attention away from the spiritual ones. We must pray for things that will change people for eternity. Jeremiah 33.3, the Lord said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But instead we call unto him oftentimes and pray for that which satisfies our flesh. We have to change our thinking. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And then verse 21, the most, or the end of verse 20, the most amazing thing. He says, according to the power that worketh where? In us. How does God operate with His strength and His might and His power? He uses us. Frail little me. I was the kid that hid behind my mama. I wouldn't shake anybody's hand. I was afraid of my shadow. It took a lot for God to, to bring me to this place. You might not look at me and believe that, or maybe you look at me and go, yeah, it's obvious, I don't know. <laughs> but, but God had to do a work in my heart that only He could do. The power that He has works in us. He has all power, but He uses us to carry out His work here on earth. He, he operates His power through us. The exceeding abundant things that God can do above all we ask or think He does through us, His church. Isn't that amazing? God wants to use His power and He wants to do it through me? What a, what a blessing. And through you, through your missionaries. In verse 21, unto Him 
be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Why should we pray these things for our missionaries? Why should we pray these things for each other in the church? That the glory of God be seen through us, the church. You know, prayer is a thankless thing. But it sure brings glory to God. When God gives an amazing answer to prayer, who gets the glory? God does. I've never seen it where God does some miraculous thing, transforms the life of a sinner, saves somebody that everybody thought couldn't be saved, and all of a sudden they're, they're preaching the gospel and their life is transformed and nobody goes, oh, wow, you're the best prayer warrior I've ever seen. How amazing. It's all because of you. No. Eyes are brought to God. When God answers prayer, everybody's eyes are turned upward. And God convicted me over this. Perhaps the reason we don't pray as we ought and as often as we ought and how we ought is because when we do, nobody recognizes us. Nobody, nobody even knows I prayed. I spent hours laboring in prayer and nobody knew. God did. And if the prayer, if the reason for the prayer is because you want to bring Him glory, when He answers, that's exactly what He's going to get. God is recognized, and it does bring Him glory. We must stop focusing only on the temporal things and ask God for some spiritual things so that when they are accomplished, when God answers those prayers, He'll receive the glory. Paul prayed for strength. Paul prayed for submission. Paul prayed for comprehension. And Paul prayed for feeling. How do you pray for your missionaries? Do you just throw money at them or do you pray for them? Do you pray for them at all? Let me challenge you tonight. Begin to pray like Paul did. These simple four requests. Watch God work. He'll do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Watch God strengthen your missionaries with might. You might not get to see it with your physical eyes, but you will in heaven one day. Lay not up treasures on earth where moth and rust doth grow up, but lay up treasures in heaven. Maybe our treasures are in the wrong place. Watch God give your missionaries fruit that remains. Watch them get glory in the church. It all begins when we pray. I believe, to a certain degree, the success of your missionaries is dependent upon your prayers for them. You may think, oh, it's just a, they just say pray for me when they come. They really just want our money because they need to get to the field. and I can do that, but I don't have time to pray. There may be some like that, but the ones that I know, they want your prayers. And the longer they've spent on the mission field, the more they want your prayers. Because the more they recognize, I can't do this. I need God. I need prayer. I need strength. And they need you. Are you holding the ropes for your missionaries? Are you praying for them? You don't have to have a list of prayer requests that they give you. You can pray these things. They all need these things. These are the most important things. The success of your missionaries is partially dependent upon your prayers for them. 